uh, we're again live on Radio Row here of SEC Media Days 2023, and we're very pleased to be joined by the head of officials in the SEC, John, Mc, um, John McDade, joining us now. Uh, John, the, the time is greatly appreciated. It was there early this morning with you as your uh, uh, presentation, yearly presentation was going on. Uh, how how things gone this week? How are you feeling? Things are going terrific. I always say if I have an issue here in uh, late July, things are really, really going <laughs> sideways for me. Uh, everyone's undefeated. Everyone's happy. Uh, things are going great. It's always great to spend time here. Um, I love sharing, uh, you know, what we do, and uh, so thanks for the opportunity to spend some time with you guys this afternoon. Absolutely. For those of us that were able to attend that, there was a lot of video presentation part of it, and so obviously that uh, will not aid our listener very much. But uh, let's recap kind of everything that went on there and ask you a few questions going forward. Let's start with the rule change, which there are not many this year. Uh, as noted earlier, but obviously people are going to want to know about the timing aspect of it with the first down, uh, with the clock continuing to run. Again, for our listener, what all went into that process and and uh, what are you going to be trying to observe as a metric of, of achieving what you want it to achieve? Yeah, the, uh, the stakeholders in the game, first and foremost, are concerned about the number of plays in a game. Um, would we like games to be shorter? We, more importantly, would we like less games that are three hours and 45 minutes or longer? Sure, absolutely. But from a safety standpoint, you know, from a well-being for the student-athlete, the stakeholders are concerned about the number of plays. So the rule change with keeping the clock running with a first down and bounds outside of two minutes left in the half is first and foremost to see if we can get slightly less plays in a game. Um, how much less plays are we going to have? That's the million-dollar question. Um, we have, we have the rule change. We're going to go play the 23 season. And next offseason, we'll, we'll, we'll crunch the, the data and, and, and see what kind of effect it had. My prediction is it's going to have no more than uh, a reduction of five plays per game is, is, is what I believe. Because, again, you talk to the fan because, again, we, we hear phone calls all the time and that sort of thing. And I guess their main concern would be, you know, the, the, the deal with, uh, we want less commercials, we want more action, that sort of thing. There's also the consideration that I would say that, that obviously there are more games for certain teams now and that part of the thing. And uh, with the more plays, you're certainly trying to make sure that there's not more contact in an ever-physical game. What would you say, though, to people that, that did have those concerns or, or what would be a target number of plays that, like, for example, do you, I don't know if you know off the top of your head, but, like, what would have been a play count for us 20 or 30 years ago? Like, are we still even taking a number of plays out now? Would we still be at more plays than we were 20, 30 years ago? Um, an interesting question because one thing is uh, it turns out we don't have the most – uh, complete and accurate data set on how many plays we had in a game 20 to 30 years ago. It was just, just wasn't something that we placed a lot of uh, effort in. And, and we, the collective we, uh, spent a lot of effort in recording. So we've tried to go off and have those kinds of um, uh, analyses and the, the data from the 90s and, and even in the early 2000s doesn't seem to be uh, collected in the same way that we collect that, that data today. I'll just say that. I, I, I can say that, that Right now, we're about 178, 179 plays per game uh, on average across all of FBS. No one's saying that's a bad number. What the stakeholders are looking at is the number of games that have 200-plus plays in it. Um, and if you can remember, a number of years ago, uh, we had in the SEC a seven-overtime game yep. that added, I think, something around something in the low 40s, like almost a quarter's worth of extra plays at the end of a game 
for effectively a, a fifth quarter. Great, great concern on the impact that has on the, the, the health and well-being of the student-athlete who's already played four quarters of football, and now they're asking to play them equivalent of another quarter, right? We, we reacted immediately um, and changed our, our overtime rules so that we drive down drastically the probability we'll have that many plays added to the end of the game. That's the same thought process that's going into trying to drive down the number of plays. It's not that 178 is unacceptable. We need to get it to, I'm just going to pick a number out of the air, 170, right? It's how do we drive down the probability that we have that much less games that's 190, 200, 210 plays. We had a couple of games last year, um, not necessarily in the SEC. <clears throat> I believe they were uh, 223 or 224 plays. That's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. lot. Triple digits for both teams. Is and here I'll put not. it in this context. The average number of plays in a game in an NFL game last season, 22 season, 154. Okay. Wow. I, so when you, when you, the staff, and, and all the officials kind of get together, I mean, is, and you're looking at changes of things, is it the player safety, is that the main thing that y'all are looking for as far as kind of adapting things, changing things? I mean, is the player safety like a number one what we've got to focus on? Yeah. Player safety is absolutely paramount. You yeah. know, I'll, I'll say unequivocally, yes. Um, I believe where we are as an officiating organization on um, um, Rule 9 has all of the personal fouls. Um, how we call roughing the passer, running and roughing into the kicker, uh, blocking below the waist, blindside blocks. We're in a pretty good place. Right. Um, so our, our clinic, which we're having next week in Birmingham, the, it, for those subjects, we'll reinforce what we've already done. Sure. You know, reinforce the framework of judgments we want to use, show them good examples of what we've done, make sure we don't backslide off those kinds of things. Then there's parts of the game, and I covered a little of this um, uh, earlier this, this morning, where the game's evolving very quickly. And um, how do we as officials make sure we stay ahead of the curve and that when we have these issues come up in our games, that we're consistently applying the rules from one game to the next, one weekend to the next. Right. And, and with that player safety, and I, you know, obviously we hear it a lot from the fans, there's the targeting rule. Obviously nothing is changing with that yet, but I've, you know, there's the whole ejection on the targeting, and you hear it so much. You know, is there a way that they can change that to where you're not kicked out of a game for targeting? Is that something that has been discussed at all, maybe for the future, or how are the officials looking at targeting and how that is being punished, I guess, as the game yeah. goes on. I, I can't necessarily explain this because I wasn't in the room, but I'm led to believe that the there was far less discussion about the penalty on targeting this offseason than there was the previous three offseasons. Okay. Uh, which I'm going to interpret, or I have interpreted, as we're starting to accept better what the penalty for targeting is. Right. And when I say we, it's the collective we. Uh, and so, John, when we're talking about targeting, I think you uh, said it was like point one one. So it's like uh, once every nine games in the or SEC something like that last in the season. SEC. That's correct. So that has gotten way down. Is an, as a byproduct of that, I would assume it's also trying to teach people a different way to tackle. And so you want that number to go down, not only because well, it's fewer dangerous hits. It kind of shows you that they're actually finding the the correct or a more efficient way of tackling. I would assume you're absolutely correct. If you look at the um the number of targetings per game across all of the FBS for the last two seasons, 20 to 21 and then 21 to 22, we've had a 68% reduction from 20 to 22. And people ask me what do I attribute it to. Absolutely attribute it to player behavior, that they're, they're doing the things we're asking them to do to take the head and the helmet out of these violent collisions. 
And so, John, I know this is more of an NFL topic, but I'm curious. We, we have you on right now. So in this world of officiating in various sports, we're seeing way more AI and we're seeing way more automated stuff. And, and obviously we, we use a, a more advanced replay system and that sort of thing. But I mean, what do you try or what kind of ways do you think not to replace the officials because we don't want to do that, but what kind of ways can AI or, or something technical continue to aid officiating further yeah you know i I, i'll have two responses here one's more oriented towards the teams although it it applies to officiating teams for decades have been breaking down video to find tendencies to understand what um uh their opponents trying to do on offense and defense and special teams for their upcoming games right and for for a long period of time they would have graduate assistants and other um, non-accountable coaches breaking down that game film, feeding it to the coach success so they come up with their game plans. Recently, recently being um, sometime in the last 10 years, there are now services um, that do this, this sort of thing. Uh, one service that I'm fairly familiar with because we use it in our officiating department and a lot of our teams use it is something called Pro Football Focus. And what, what PFF does is they have an army of analysts that will sit and break down. They, they, they obviously started with the NFL, and they're now doing it in college. They break down that game film and provide all the statistics, tendencies, whatnot, that took the, take the place of the GAs used to do it. So GAs now are doing different things. They don't have to do that kind of thing. One of the things I've heard is, can you use artificial intelligence to study the video and have AI create all of these tendencies and statistics and whatnot? Um, I think it'll probably happen. Um, I don't know if it'll happen in two years, five years, or ten years, but I think eventually AI will get to the point where they'll be able to do that. So that, that's, that's one response. As far as how we more directly might use it for um, officiating, using it for training and development purposes is the, the obvious thing um, that, that, that I can think of. But I'll say this. Um, what artificial intelligence is all about is replacing what goes on in the human brain for cognitive abilities, cognitive decisions, cognitive reasoning, and put it in a machine. That's a very simple explanation of what AI is all about. Before you go and jump in and start using AI, a question that I have had started this past offseason, I'll continue to, to work on, is, is there a way to profile the cognitive abilities that um, translate to what makes a good umpire, what makes a good referee, what makes a good line judge, right? And I've had discussions with some outside uh, companies, consultants, consultants, by the way, that some of our teams are using because they're trying to understand the cognitive abilities that describe a really good defensive uh, safety or a very good wide receiver or quarterback or whatever the case may be. And, um, you know, can you help? officials develop the cognitive abilities that are most in line in being a good football official. Um, that I think I want to tackle before I actually go whole hog into how can AI uh, help me. Um, hopefully I didn't go too deep there. No, you're good. I, w- I mean, hey, look, I, w- I, love, I love it. Again, I'm here. I wouldn't have been here at 8 a.m. if it was not for the presentation that you give. I'm fascinated by this stuff. Well, one other thing that I was going to say is talking about cognitive ability, apparently some of the officials here in the SEC have been doing a pretty darn good job as uh, unfortunately y'all lost some to the NFL. And, yeah, and we, so, we, I mean, it says a lot for – the caliber of officials if now the NFL is picking guys yeah up. yeah you know it's 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 certainly as a coordinator uh, a bittersweet moment sure. um we we lost five terrific officials uh four Ooh. on-field officials and one replay official uh to the NFL this past season and uh, just a 
Um, terrific uh, opportunity for those officials. Um, recognition for the great job they've been doing on right. the field. But we lose them, and uh, we got to we got to create tomorrow's. Uh, uh, top-notch officials. Well, hopefully things do not get as crazy in the league office as they're getting behind us uh, with a severe <laughs> thunderstorm blowing in. I've got a front seat to uh, quite a bit of thunder- quite a uh, thunderstorm that's going through town. Absolutely. So final question for you, John. We'll let you go. And, again, we appreciate the time. Uh, again, talking to John McDay, the SEC coordinator of officials. As you look forward to this 2023 campaign, I know this past year was not a big rule change year, but that leads to the next year being a, a more comprehensive look at everything. So what are some of the things that next year you look at it and are kind of trying to evaluate more closely this this fall you know we, we always could do better with the, uh, the legal contact between defender and receiver downfield whether it's defensive pass interference or defensive holding or flipping around offensive pass interference right the, by far the most challenging part of our game um we're always going to work hard buckle down and and um <clears throat> you know spend that extra time in training development in our clinic on, the, on, on that um what's going on pre-snap between the defense and offense um that's evolving quicker than any part of the game. Um, we're going to make sure that we're all on the same page on that. Another thing that's happening that's evolving quickly, I didn't cover this this morning, but um, the shifting in motion that's going on in punts with these spread punt formations, trying to free up. Um, you know, spread punt formations basically have um, – they're hiding who the true gunners are, right, who they're trying to break free and get downfield. It's not like the two guy, wide guys are the most obvious candidates to get down. Some teams try to put some – Really good athletes at snapper, and they turn into a, a gunner that's right, going right down the center of the field. That, that, that challenges. So hammer the fundamentals. Look at where the game's evolving, where we need to react to it. Make sure we're all on the same page before we leave each other after spending 72 hours in Birmingham, Alabama next weekend, and then go out and attack the season. Excellent stuff. John McDade, the SEC coordinator of officials with us today. John, really appreciate the time. Uh, good luck hitting all the other different stations here in Nashville, and uh, we look forward to the season coming up. I very much appreciate it and enjoyed it, and uh, you guys got me before my voice went away. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Appreciate it, John. Take care.